Good to see everyone. Come on, tell someone it's good for you to be here. And me too. <laughs> All right, Pastor Cindy, I wanted to come up and greet you. Um, good evening, everybody. Are we hot? All right, we're hot now. Good evening, everybody. It's so good to be back here. This is our first time back since y'all had your grand opening. And it keeps getting better and better and better with y'all personally, with y'all corporately, with the building. Y'all have done so good. Y'all have done so good. I love seeing the joint supply work together. How many of y'all know that we need each other? Because you have a gift that that person doesn't have a gift and vice versa, and we need one another. And so I'm so pleased and so proud to see the work that all of you are contributing to this body to make it excellent, to make it thrive as we are in the Thrive Summit, to make it thrive and full of hope and divine impartations one for another. This building is just simply a reflection of what's on the inside of you, which is full of hope and full of dreams and full of positive things. That's what this building is. You've made it beautiful. And so I just want to say that I'm so proud of y'all. And this weekend is going to be so good. How many of y'all know that God is present in the house? God is so present in the house. The spirit of God was so sweet to us. And I don't know what your situation is. How many of y'all know that faith to faith and glory to glory, we're always needing something in God. If we didn't need him, then it would be time to go on. We're always needing something in God. So if you say, well, I got it on yesterday and it was real good. Yesterday was real good, but that was yesterday's manna. We need a today manna. And so whatever it is that you need on today, you need the Holy Ghost to impart to you on today because yesterday was done went and gone but today is a brand new day i need the life of the man of christ i need the life of the spirit of god and he knows what it is that you're needing and he knows and calls you by name so you came here tonight because the holy ghost wooed you you thought that somebody invited you it was the holy ghost inviting you Come on now. You thought you were being faithful to the house. God says, no, 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 no. I'm being faithful to you. I'm being faithful to you, my son. I'm being faithful to you, my daughter. I have something for you that's for today. That's going to transition you for your tomorrow. It is a faith to faith and a glory to glory in God. Always transitioning and improving and becoming better in him. So as we wait on the spirit of God. And as we wait on the voice within the voice, how many of y'all know it's not about a preacher, it's not about a person. It's about the Spirit of God. And that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying on tonight and on tomorrow and on Sunday and the days to come. We don't want a man's voice or a woman's voice. We want the voice of the living God. So let's pray and let's invite him in. Holy Ghost, we thank you that your voice is the voice that we all are seeking on tonight and this weekend. We're inviting you to speak to our hearts. We're inviting you to speak to our minds, speak to our situations. What ideas we have, Lord, resituate them so that on this day, Lord, we can know there's a better way. That the way that didn't work for us, God, you've got a better way. So we thank you that our ears are turned back to hear the voice of the living God on tonight that is not a routine thing but it's a living way by your spirit thank you that every heart is cut tonight to hear your voice thank you that my heart is cut tonight to hear your voice thank you holy God for the work that only you can do we invite your Holy Spirit 
You've destined this day long before we went our mother's womb. Because it is part of the process. Glory to glory and faith to faith. Tonight's manna, Lord, thank you that it's fresh from your spirit. Cut back anything you need to cut back. Rearrange anything you need to rearrange. We just say, Potter, we are your clay and have your way. And if you'll agree with that prayer, tell the living God, yes and amen. Amen. I'm so delighted to be in the house tonight. I look forward to greatness on this weekend. I look forward to your prayers being answered on this weekend. And I want to give honor to Pastor Joshua and Pastor Crystal. These are such precious men and women of God. And as he said, it's hard to find trustworthy people. And I can tell you, as we've walked with them nearly a decade now, that they are trustworthy people. They have the shepherd's heart that has become one with their heart, and they are trustworthy. Can we just give them a clap tonight? Can we give honor where honor is due tonight? They lay down their life. They bless us, and they continually give of the Lord and the best of themselves. And we honor you, pastors. We don't honor you enough. We honor you tonight. And continually thank you for your standing Christ. Amen. And look at this wonderful man right here. 20, 25 years? We're going on 25 years, y'all. 25 years and a grandkid. And we're doing better than ever. Let's give it up for my man, Apostle Howard Hatcher. Oh, shuck it now. All right. How do, you, how do you follow that? All right. Um, I want to say, uh, Crystal and Joshua, they just have our hearts. Do they have your hearts? So I, I want to do something that it, it didn't come to my mind until just now. Uh, I have a saying. Whenever I make a commitment, it's covenant. How many of you remember back in, have you ever read about the feudal times when they had lords and they had uh, kings and lords and they would all come together and they would sit around the round table. It's like King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And so each knight had a jurisdiction and had territories. Each knight had territories. And so what made the kingdom strong is each knight would come to the round table and they would bring their sword. And when they would bring their sword, they'd lay it on the table. In other words, they were saying to the king, you have my sword. Jesus gave us his sword. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? How many of you thank God? He gave you, take unto you the whole armor of God. Take the helmet of salvation. But we really don't look at it. God gave us his armor and he gave us his sword. And now we have the opportunity we give one another in covenant our sword. I don't give my sword to everybody. If Pastor Joshua and Crystal, if they call, Pastor Cindy and I'll stop what we're doing and get on the road and drive down here. I won't do that for everyone. You know why we'll do that? Somebody shout it. Because they have our sword. Well, not only do they have my sword, but I have their sword. That's called covenant. It's when you're ready to fight to the death. How many people do you know that you fight to the death for? Right? How many of them, most of them, you won't fight to the death? Tell the truth. You think twice about it. 
<laughs> but when you give someone your sword, that's a sign of covenant. And so when I say to Pastor Crystal and Pastor Joshua, you have my sword, you have our swords. That's saying you have our lives, we'll lay down our lives for you. You have our swords. The elders, you have our swords. And so um, tonight, as a sign of covenant, I want someone, if, if you could go find Pastor Joshua and have him come in here real quick. That means something when you give someone your sword. That means something. If you are a preacher, you battle every demon and every devil and every principality and every power. And you labor night and day over the souls God brings to you. And the true, Jesus said, the shepherd, the true shepherd, that's not a hireling, what will he do according to the Bible? Lay down his life for the sheep. And so there are many attacks that in the spirit realm, a real shepherd will get in the way and put that devil in his place and make him behave in the name of Jesus, trampling over principalities and powers. That's what a real shepherd will do. A, a, a hireling will watch the wolf carry him off one, one at a time. But a real shepherd will fight for you. And I know that Pastor Joshua, Pastor Crystal, they will fight for you. How many of you are here because they, you've been, you was in a dog fight. Come on. You was in a dog fight. Everybody won't get in a dog fight with you. To those of you who have the grace, if you just walk by and give them a handshake or a hug and whisper in their ear, if you have the grace to let them know you have my soul, you can do that right now. Come on up here. Come on up front. Come on up front. Oh, y'all didn't expect that. Don't, don't be churchified. Don't get churchified on me. She already called me my man up here, so you know it's real. Just tell them you got my sword. When God calls a pastor, when God calls a pastor to a place, when you walk in, you already have their sword. You already have their sword. That's why they pray. They use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to pray over you and, 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 and operate prophetically and by the Spirit. You have my sword. You can't do this life by yourself. You've got to have someone that's in there with you. When you hit a marriage issue, you need someone in there with you. Hit a health issue, you need someone in there with you. An education issue, you need somebody. Girl, it's so good to see you again. Oh, made my heart happy when I see you, saw you. All right, come on, y'all. Praise God. Now, this is not part of my message. You can go ahead and put it up. Put your hands together for your pastor. Now, 
Also, what that means is when, when someone has your sword, are y'all married folk? You can't attack my wife without attacking me. And you can't attack my kids without attacking me. If you attack them, that's attacking me. Come on, somebody. And if you attack me, that's attack. See, those are the kind of relationships we want. Tell your neighbor you're in the right place. Have a seat. All right, come on. So we're going to do some work tonight. Is it all right if I work tonight? Is it all right if I work tonight? So the, the past um, few weeks, I've been um, in situations um, educating and training bishops and pastors and leaders and um, been in meetings with city officials and all kind of stuff. And the governor of our state called uh, three and a half weeks ago. The governor called and I picked up the phone and he said, Dr. Hatcher. And I said, yes, this is Dr. Hatcher. He said, this is the governor. Well, I didn't expect to hear that on the other end of the line. But I was at an event where I was speaking and the lieutenant governor was on the same schedule with me. Uh, speaking just before I did. And then another one with the chief of police and another one with, uh, we were at the police headquarters. So what I want, I'm saying that to say this. If you're going to penetrate realms, you're going to know, need to know how to establish territory, right? If you're going to penetrate realms, you're going to need to know how to establish territories. So we're always in a recovering territory, taking territory, establishing territory, and we're always in that mode. We're always, uh, uh, we're always in the mode of territorial um, maintenance. Now, if you can't maintain what you got, the devil's going to come to kill. Still, he's coming after something, right? That's his job. You, you can't fault him. He got a job to do. Isn't that terrible? Your job is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's like those people, the Bible says that, that, that they can't sleep at night unless they're doing evil. So when you are establishing territory, you have to realize for every bit of territory you gain, you take it from the enemy. There is an enemy who wants to take it back. And they, the Bible says they don't come back the way they left. They left one. But Jesus said they come back in multiples. They come back seven, right? So the strength that you use to kick out the one, you need more strength to deal with the seven. They try to come back. Does that make sense to you? So many believers, because they've been in silo mode, silos, you know, you ever look out across a wheat field and you see a silo, this big grain container, and it's shaped like a, a bullet, like a big cone in the sky. And then you see another one where they're individual silos. They're not connected to another uh, grain holding uh, 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 tube. It's, I got my own silo. The silo days are over. God is saying, if you're going to thrive and you're going to survive, see, there's a difference between surviving and thriving. How many of you say, okay, I've been in some serious survive mode. I want to know what I want to know what that thrive is all about. Am I talking to the right folk? Raise your hand and tell the truth in church so I don't have to cast out a lion devil. 
Who's been in survival mode for a minute? All right, come on. So, so I'm going to attempt to give you some tools to get you out of survive into thrive. And, and in order to do that, I need to be very, very candid and very real and very transparent and very, uh, very uh, blatantly obvious that I might offend you if it means getting over a cerebral obstacle that's barring your progress. Generational devils don't like me and they shouldn't like you. I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a mission tonight. I want to kill generational devils. I want to kill generational mindsets that have become strongholds impeding your thrive. Your biggest enemy might not be a demon. It might be your carnal mind. And I'm willing to risk offending your carnality if it means advancing your spirituality. How many of you will give me license to do that a little bit tonight? Apostle Paul said I would. Brethren, I came to you, but I couldn't speak to you as spiritual. I had to speak to you like carnal folk. I can't talk to you like spiritual folk. i got to speak to you like carnal folk. And so what he's saying is, you've got some carnal impediments blocking your ability to operate spiritually. All of us have them. I repent often. In the last month, I've asked my wife to forgive me. You know, I probably you started, got a little huffy, you know. Apostle don't get huffy, do he? I probably got a little huffy and over-responded, and I think it was yesterday or the day before, I said, baby, I'm sorry, I, I over-responded. So I cannot continue to go on with business as usual when I know I didn't respond right to the person in front of me. Right? You can't continue to do that. You've got to stop, make it right, and then go on. You, you, you can't keep... What used to be a wall you built has now got to become a bridge you walk across. And an internal, internal, relational walls we keep building. And in order for you to thrive, you've got to build more bridges than you do walls. So in order to be very... Um, there are two things that we want to do tonight. We want to accomplish two things. We want to, we want to do a, an impartation. That's going to be tomorrow. But tonight we're going to accomplish an impartation. It's going to be a verbal impartation, a vocal impartation. What's it going to be? Vocal impartation. There's going to be an impartation tonight, and there's going to be a deposit. You know, when someone deposits something, there's an impartation. So there are going to be deposits tonight. I pray you catch your deposit. Now, these deposits tonight are to help you transition into the tool shed of the kingdom. The tool shed of the kingdom is to accomplish certain things. There was a young lady that uh, Pastor Cindy and I gave some help to, and uh, she's a relative of mine. The, 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 the adversary had so beat up her life to where... Uh, the police are kicking in her door, crazy people are sleeping on the floor, and, you know, and she has a child, and it was just chaos. And we went to visit one time, and I told that niece, I said, look, I said, you're living way below what God has called you to. You, you're in this roach-infested, insane place that 
that, that is way below the p potential and capability that you have. When you get ready to really, really, really uh, see transition and change, call me. And, and Uncle got a call. Uncle Junior. Don't call me Uncle Junior. <laughs> Uncle Junior got a call. And so we began to work with her. I can tell you right now, she is a bona fide qualified, one of the most elite nurses on the planet. Uh, come on. Drives a brand new car that they pay cash for. Built, built their own house. You know what we want to, yeah, let's just go in. And thriving in every area. Multiple degrees now. She went from the psychological prison to achieving things that were only fantasy until someone showed her how to take fantasy that it can become reality. And so I tell that story because one night, one night I got up and began to speak in the church. Uh, one morning, Sunday morning, I began to speak in the church and I felt like God interrupted my message and I just started saying, you know, God wants me to give you tools. My job is to give you tools. If you will use these tools and be faithful to them, they will be faithful to you. That girl got up and told the whole church, she said, last night I had a dream. And in the dream, she said, I was battling some demons. I was battling some devils. And she wasn't, she wasn't a nurse yet. She's on her way out. They're on the screen. Someone say judge and make war. So why is Jesus coming? I don't know what you thought. But he's coming to judge and make war. He gave you the whole armor so you can make some wars before you get here. You can give him a praise. 
Somebody say, be ready to fight. You got to be ready to fight. The devil's trying to steal your moxie. You got to be ready to fight. This is a real battle. This ain't a joke. This is a real battle. So, his eyes are as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns. He had a name written no man knew but himself. He was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. How would you like to wear some clothing that's been dipped in blood? That blood that it's talking about is the blood that was shed for you and I. That blood, the blood of martyrs, the blood of the Lord Jesus, it's been dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies which followed were in heaven, followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So when he comes back, is he going to be in a happy mood? You know about the wrath of Almighty God. I the last time God got angry at the earth, he wiped the whole thing out and left eight people. <laughs> and he's coming back. And this time, it's going to be worse than the first time. Now watch this. He has on his vesture, I want you to read verse 16 with me. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. Read it out loud. Would somebody give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords a praise with you? Lord, you're worthy. All right, now watch this. Now, I just want to look at a few things about Jesus. All right, we, we might need a little help with this too, gentlemen. Let's see. There we go. Revelation 17, 14. Let's read this out loud together. These shall make war with the Lamb. All right, he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So in the book of Revelations, we see that he's coming back to make war, and the Bible is giving clear distinction as to who it is making war, and someone's going to be dumb enough to fight against him. These shall make war with the Lamb. They're going to be fighting against him. Well, I've made my decision clear. I have already chosen the side that I'm fighting on. And I'm standing with the King of Kings. I'm standing with the Lord of Lords. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation. I'm not playing religious games. I'm not playing religious games. I can't. I'm in the earth and I'm part of a war machine. That's why he gave me the whole, the whole armor of God. Because I'm part of a war machine. Are you part of a war machine? Now I want to explain a few things about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Now this word is Basilius. This word Basilius, King of Kings, Basilius, King over the kingdom of the heavens. So in the Bible, if you're going to translate this word into the Greek, you're dealing with the term Basilius, someone who is sovereign over a kingdom. Now the Bible says he's not just sovereign over a kingdom. He's the King of He's the Lord of. So wherever you find a Lord, he's over that Lord. Wherever you find a king, he's over that king. Isaiah 9 reads like this. For unto us a child is born. A son. I'm just setting the, setting the context here, that's all. A son is given. The government's going to rest where? 
The government is going to rest on his shoulders. How many of you have ever quoted the scripture, I'm an ambassador for Christ? Raise your hand if you've ever quoted that. How many of you have ever heard it taught in church? You're an ambassador for Christ. You've heard that, right? Yeah, that's real good. If you are an ambassador, does that is that a government position? So do you have a government position? All right. Uh, don't, don't play games with me now. If you are a government official, tell me about the laws that govern the kingdom you represent. You're not really living yet until you live to represent the kingdom that gave you your ambassadorship. I got a problem if someone, I make them an ambassador for my country and they go over and start talking some nonsense that don't line up with our country. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't really start living until you begin to align with the principles that govern the kingdom you represent. Then that kingdom, the king of that kingdom begins to empower you because you're representing his kingdom right. Some of us are missing empowerment because we're representing his kingdom our own way. So he says a son is given, the government's on his shoulders, his name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. Now watch this, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, he's going to order it. Now, how many of you are kingdom citizens? I want you to read, upon his kingdom in the red, I want you to read, and then I'm going to count. Is that fair enough? But I want you to read like you love Jesus, okay? Read out loud. All right? Uh, Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, you read and I'll count. Go. All right, stop. Y'all done failed already. I heard louder shouting at the football game, playing on a TV on, on Sunday. All right, let's read it again. Two, one. Two. So what are the two things that's on his mind about all of us who are in the kingdom? Somebody say order in the court. He's trying to bring order to our lives. How many of most of the issues that you've had is because you resisted order? Your mind was a, a bag of noodles. It's a bag of spaghetti. It's like a ball of spaghetti that rolled all up. You can't tell where that noodle went in and you can't tell where it came out. It's just all, how many of God has ever straightened your mind out? You had stinking thinking. In order to bring you to thrive, he's got to straighten out your mind. And you can't listen to crazy people and get your mind straightened out. And notice it's about justice and judgment. So he's going to establish his kingdom with judgment and justice. And he's going to do that forever. So concerning Jesus, this is what we say. Jesus is sovereignty. Someone say sovereignty. When you're dealing with the sovereign, you're dealing with the highest in power. He's superior to all others and he's the chief. He's independent of and unlimited by any other. So if you want a way to see Jesus, he is independent of and unlimited by any other, possessing entitled to original authority or jurisdiction as a sovereign. So he's entitled to jurisdiction in our lives. He's entitled to jurisdiction in my life. He is the great I am. He's the word made flesh. 
He's God that became man. He's fully God. He's fully man. So we're dealing with sovereignty. Sometimes we have to learn how to deal with a sovereignty. If you go into a Britain, you go to Britain and you start acting funny with the, the king or the queen, what are they going to do to you? They're going to kick you right out of the palace. They're going to kick you out of the king's court. Act funny enough and they'll kick you out of the country. So when we deal with Jesus, we're dealing with someone who has unlimited authority to decide who stays in the kingdom and who's kicked out of the kingdom. Does, does the book, uh, does the word of God say that the goats are going to be on my left and the, the sheep are going to be on my right? He's going to tell some of them to come in. Others, he's going to say, depart from me, worker. I don't evil. I don't know you, right? He decides who stays, who goes. I want to stay. I'm like Evie Hill. Ain't nothing in hell that I want. They asked Evie Hill, what do you want? And he's like, I don't want nothing in hell. I'm a Christian now because I don't like pain. <laughs> I can't stand a little big, you light a big lighter and put it under my finger, I'll scream like a girl. <laughs> put it out. I ain't trying to go to hell. Turn into a human torch. I ah, know I ain't trying to go to hell and burn up for nobody. So I don't like pain. How many of you serve God? Oh, wait, let me ask a different question. Because I feel like we, we're on our way to getting totally transparent and real. How many of you, you had fun sinning? Did you say that? She's, did you have fun sinning? I did too. But you knew you was going to go. And if it, wasn't for the, if it wasn't for eternal punishment of hell, most of us wouldn't have got saved. But it's not till we begin to mature and the goodness of Lord, Lord leads us to repentance. Now, how many of you love him enough that even if there was no hell, you would still serve him and give yourself? See, now you've crossed over because your kids, you know they only do right sometimes because there's going to be a discipline. They're going to lose something or they're going to lose some real estate. I better hurry up. So he's the almighty. He's om omnipotent. So when we look at Jesus, I want to show you something about Jesus here. Jesus exercising authority. Now, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. All right. Where the word of a king is, there's power. I want you to look at the three things that happen when the word of a king shows up. But in the yellow, I've got highlighted, I want you to read that with me. Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a... Now, how many of you have ever heard your kings and priests? But how many of you actually can say, but I don't feel like my word's got much? Raise your hands and be honest if you sometimes feel like your words don't have much power. Tell the truth. Shame that devil. All right? So let's cross on over into the word of a king so that you can begin. Bless you. You got to thank God that, 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 that you're not a Muslim. Thank God. Because they believe that when somebody sneezes or yawns, it's a demon coming out. That's actually in the, the writings of the Quran. 
and trying to make no enemies here, but they believe that when you yawn, it's the devil coming out. And they also believe it's in their writings. You can go check it out for yourself. That when some when people lay down on their side and they sleep at night, Satan goes up into the top part of their nose and takes a, a sleeps at night. He lodges in the top part of their nose. You didn't know that. That's actually in the writing, the Muslim writings. I'm gonna keep on moving because I want to make friends here tonight. So we say, bless you, and ain't no demon nowhere. Praise God. And that's what I mean. Don't follow crazy people. Right? Jesus creates through the expression of speaking. Why? Because where the word of a king is, there's power. Now, I want you to look at the second point. He imparts values into a thing through his authority of sovereign expression. He's sovereignty, right? He's, ain't, there's nobody. All power in heaven and in earth has been given to me by my Father, right? So all power, not some of it. How much of it? All of it. So when you deal with Jesus, you're dealing with sovereignty. In other words, he's saying, I want you to connect this. When I say it, because there is no one above me, no one beside me, I'm God. When I say it, where my word is, there's power. When I say it, there's no one to challenge what I say. When I say it. Whatever I say it about. So Jesus comes to the fig tree. Did he curse the fig tree? What happened to the fig tree? Dies. It dies. Why? Because when he speaks to a thing, he has power to impart a value into the thing. Can you hear me? Because that's what kings do. Because where the word of a king is, there's power. So the authority... To say something as a final authority. The authority to say something as a final authority. That is all good. I'm talking about Jesus. Divine sovereignty expression, when you express, is when the Lord puts the God code in a thing. So can I explain to you what the God code is? It's whatever I said out of my mouth, that's the code. All right, I need someone to give me a simple command. I need, to, I need to get you on the same page with me. What did you say? What's this? She gave me words, right? What am I doing? Her words have now become embodied in my actions. So her words became flesh. Jesus is the word made flesh. The words from the Father expressed and lived out. He became the God code, the spoken code of God. So whatever you say something is, that's what it is. If the sky is blue, if the sky is blue, and all of us know that the sky is blue, and Jesus is standing beside us, and he says, no, it's yellow. Would that be the truth or a lie? It, why would it be the truth? Because the moment he says it, it becomes what he says. He speaks about things that are not as though they are. Can you hear me? He speaks about things that are not. 
So some of us aren't operating in line with the principles of the kingdom. So by our common everyday language, we undermine our future that we could be living in. The devil has to hit you in the flesh to get you out of the spirit. Because he knows your tools only work. He knows your words only work in faith by the, if you by the spirit of God. If you buy the kingdom of God, the word of God, the name of Jesus. So what we've been doing, the devil's been tricking us into being carnal at the wrong moment so he can undermine what God was actually building through you, through alignment. So sovereignty expression is when the Lord puts a God code in a thing. And the God code defines what things are. It says what something is. Now, what's interesting here on the God code, He made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Revelation 5.10 also. He made us unto our God what? All right, so here's my test. I told you we're, we're te I'm teaching tonight. I'm, we're trying to go somewhere, right? If he's the king of kings and Revelations 1 and Revelations 5 says that you and I are what? All right. It doesn't say where the word of the king of kings is, there's power. That's not what it says. Ah, see, I saw that smile. You got that. That went way down deep. They use that sink zone in. It is like a slow soaking rain. Mm -hmm, that's supposed to be good like that. How many of you are ready to have more power in your words, more power in your life? Where the word of a, see, but I got to start seeing myself like a king. I got to start seeing myself like a king. I've got to start seeing myself as a, an authority. I've got to start seeing myself in the light of who Jesus says I am. So he made us kings. Now, if he's the king of, and in his kingship, he made us his word. I'm a king. So the sovereign authority of the king of kings said you are a king. Come on, somebody. So what did he put? I just need to see who's tracking. What did he put in the words that say I'm a king? What did he put in it? Oh, yeah, y'all better. Somebody come on. I've been... He put the God code in it. These aren't just words. He put the God code in it. And the God code makes what he said become what he said. Many of us are interrupting the God code from forming what? So we become stunted in our growth. We're like little midgets. And I'm not throwing shade on short people. I was on my way to California, and I've told this story before, on my way to California, and God spoke to me, when you get there, you're going to tell them they're midgets and they have short swords. I, and I'm going to tell you my honest response. I said, God, I'd like to be invited back. <laughs> so when I got there, I said, I'm going to tell you, 
God sent me to tell you you're midgets and you have short swords. How many of you believe I said it just like that? And you have short swords. I said, but the good news is he sent me today, he sent me with the answer so you'll no longer have short swords, but you can grow and have big swords and you can be giants. Afterwards, their staff prophet walked up to me. The staff prophet walks up to me and he says, he said, Brother Howard, two weeks ago I had a dream. And in this dream, everyone in our church, we was all midgets. Now, you remember God said, go tell them they had their midgets and they have short swords. He said, everyone in our church, we was all midgets. And we was fighting demons and principalities and powers. And they were giants and they had big swords. I said, brother, you were supposed to tell the whole church that. <laughs> so he got up and he told them that. Exactly that. So I know what a midget is when I'm talking to one. I know a midget within six words out of your mouth. I know whether you're a midget or not. I want a big sword. <laughs> so talking about midgets, I don't want to be stunted in my growth. I don't want to have abnormal growth like Popeye. Big old arms and skinny legs. So if God says you are a king, what are you? All right, watch this. So this is what I want to say to kings. Being comfortable. Becoming comfortable. Becoming comfortable. You know, this is kind of knocking some of my words out. I don't know if I like that. Becoming comfortable, exercising the word of a king. How many of you got to do some work to get comfortable? So if you are a king, Jesus gives you power to do what? Exercise authority through the expression of speaking. Exercise authority through the expression of speaking. When he wants to put the God code in something, what does he do? He opens his mouth. If you don't want the God code put into something, do not speak to it. Can you hear me? You serve a God who spoke to trees. He told the fig tree, nothing's going to grow on you. You serve a God who spoke to the wind and the waves. He told the waves, he told the storm, behave. Peace, be still. You serve a God who spoke to trees, who spoke to the elements, Whatever he wanted to change, he spoke to it. He didn't speak about it. He disciplined himself to speak to it. He said, oh, it's so stormy. It's so... He said, peace. Be still. So if he exercised authority and we follow his pattern, I've got to become comfortable exercising the word of a king because say this with me where the word of a king is there's power say it again where the word of a king is there's power i'll dare you to walk around your house saying where the word of a king is there's power i dare you to do that for a week multiple times you know why i say it a lot because this old carnal mind wants to fight against it it's at war against the spirit of god and the kingdom of God. Know where the word of a king is. There's power. I'm a king. My words are going to build in power. My words are building in authority. My words are building in honor of the king of kings. 
When we believe what he said and do what he said we could do, that's giving honor to the king. It tells him his words weren't wasted. Somebody give God a praise. He didn't waste his words on you. He didn't waste his words. Say this with me out loud. Somebody shout it. God did not waste his words on me. He didn't waste his words. And when we apply those words, it proved that's the only thing that'll prove he didn't waste his words on me. Have you ever told someone to do something or asked them to do something they didn't do it? Did you waste your words? Their response, their obedience, and their honor of what you said is what proves that you didn't waste your word. Holy Spirit carries your word values into a thing through your authority of delegated expression. So, Holy Spirit carries your what? Every word has a value. Every word has a value. Your expression puts a life a life God code or a death God code into a thing. You remember that tree he said, from henceforth and forever, there will no fruit grow on you, you're dead. He cursed the fig tree, right? So God has a death code that he puts into things too. If he tells it to die, does it die? That's the death code. I don't want the God death code. I want the life code, right? But if he tells Lazarus to live, does Lazarus live? When Jesus speaks to something, he puts a code into it. He puts a value. Death and life are in. And those who love it shall eat the. What if you are living today what you spoke yesterday? What if you are actually living today what you spoke last year? And you're just getting that negative harvest in some things. Because that's what you spoke a year ago. You done forgot about it. You went on with life. But you didn't realize because you went on with life, that doesn't mean that what you spoke out of your kingship stopped manifesting. That's why I declare right now, we're going to cut off every word that the devil has been using and that the enemy has used to bring negative harvest in my life. I want that thing cut off. I don't want the devil to go before God and claim he has a right because he got a recording of what we said. I got the right to do it. Remember, you, you're the one who told them death and life was in the power there. And where the word of a king is, there's you told them that. So I'm just holding you to your word. This is what they said. Well, we're about to ask God tonight to wipe out all that old negative stuff. I, want, I need that broke. I don't need, to, I don't need to harvest none of that. Peter was walking on the water. He didn't even start falling until his eyes and his mouth started messing up, and then he fell. He couldn't sustain the God code that he asked to walk on the water. That wasn't Jesus' idea. That was his idea. If it's Let me walk on the water if it's you. Jesus' like, okay, I didn't say that. That wasn't the God code that came from me. That's you asking me to put my word on your word. So who brought the words first about walking on the water, Jesus or Peter? Ain't nobody who doesn't know walking on the water like that. That's a man that's not Jesus. Peter's like, hey, if it's really you out there on the water, he's been listening to everything Jesus has been teaching. All things are possible if you just believe. Whatever you ask, in my, uh, the Father, in my name, he'll do it. He's like, if you tell me to walk on the water, you're a king. 
you a king. And we're the word of a If you say I can do it, guess what? Yeah. Bid me come right now if it's you. And Jesus said, well, it is I. Peter's like, I can walk on that because I got a word of a king. So he takes off walking on the water. But when the circumstances, the wind and the waves hit him, he stepped out of that God code that he was walking on. The God code was creating realities. Creating things that didn't exist. It was defying natural law. It was using a higher law to suspend the authority of lesser laws of gravity to hold him back. So he went walking on the water. And the devil will try to talk you out of walking in your God code. You were actually walking in your miracle. You were walking in your miracle. And the devil said, I need to get your mouth in alignment with what I need to strip you of your God code. The God code. God put it in your mouth. When God said, whatever comes out of your mouth, that's what I'll do. All right, come on. Let me rush on through here. Because this really is still part of the foundation. Understanding compatibility and connection in God's sovereign system. All right, what's compatibility and connections? And this is for our eternal benefit. So God has two things. What does he have? Sovereign systems. And he has... And his word. So he's got sovereign systems that heaven works by. And he has his word. Now, do you need to know what department to call? You don't pick up the phone and make a phone call and they say, let me switch you to the right department. Right? That's a system. Some of us have been tapping the wrong system. <laughs> you got to know which system you're tapping into, Right? And you've got to know which system you're touching in the spirit realm. Because you touch something in the spirit realm, and either you have the authority to address it or you don't. You need to know what you're dealing with. All right, come on, move on down through here. I don't want to stay right here. I don't want to stay right here. So I'm going to hit this real fast. Isaiah 59, 16. Is there any way that could be brought up on a, um, is in the PowerPoint, gentlemen? Covenantal ratification. So here's what I want to explain about God's systems, okay? There's multi-tiers. Here's the first tier. When God wanted to bring salvation, according to Isaiah 59, 16, there's no intercessor, so what did God do? He brought salvation. All right? Isaiah 63, 5. There was none to help. You see the second one? There was what? None to help. I wondered that there was not, so my own arm did what? So there was not a human being that could influence that system to bring us salvation. So he said, I got to do it myself. I'm going to become the word, the system. I'm going to become the sacrifice in the Levitical system. I'm going to become the lamb slain in the Levitical law. I'm going to become the word of the sacrifice in the system. I'm going to become the priest. I'm going to become the priest. God. Offering up sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. I'm going to become every part of it. 
So my own arm, my own self is going to become the word made flesh to engage my systems because no one else qualified. So that you could get salvation. Didn't he go through a lot just for you and just for me? I'm like, Lord, I want to say thank you. And so the scripture says, Hebrews 6.13, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, what did he swear by? He said, I promised myself that I'm going to keep my word. My God. So he said, no one can participate in this system to bring you salvation. So I'm going to make a promise by myself that I'm going to do it. And so he keeps his own sovereign words. And it says that he purged our sins by his own self. Thank you. Okay. I think I need to go back, gentlemen. But you tried. <laughs> Y'all did a good job. So what do kings have? Now, this is where we really get down to it. Kings have override. So what do you have? Someone shout, I got override. And I got override. I say after tonight, what the devil used to get away with, he won't get away with anymore in your life. That's what I'm saying right now. He's not going to get away with it like he used to get. He used to not, he used to, he's used to you caving in. He's used to you fighting for a little bit and giving up. He's used to you agreeing with someone he sent to derail you. And that cost you another trip around the mountain because you didn't discern Mr. Look So Good. You didn't discern Delilah. You didn't discern Miss Look, Miss Look So Good. You didn't discern. Everything that's free ain't free. Can you hear me? Everyone that's, every, every, everything that's free is not free. I declare in the name of Jesus that the day will come when anyone who's been at, at this church, able-bodied and capable, Within three years, they'll be off of all support of the government and all government systems. You can give God a praise. You're going to work your way off of it. Uncle Sam is not your supply. He's Jehovah Jireh. That's my provider. You can't build a box for me to live inside of. All things are possible to him. So when you have over override authority... I've been on food stamps. I've been on subsistence. So I ain't slamming nobody. There are certain things for a time that's necessary. But I, I had to make a decision. Am I going to live within the limitations of generational psychology that's been handed down? Or am I going to break that curse? Because according to what you believe as a king, that's your portion. All right, so prevail over. Notice also here that it's to prevail over, have dominance over, to override one's advisors, disregard, set aside, nullify, countermand, override the board's veto, to take precedence over, preempt or supersede, override any other considerations. Now, I really like that one. Number six, override any other considerations. I know what the wind is saying. I know what the waves are saying. But because Jesus spoke to me, I'm about to override the winds, considerations, circumstances, considerations. Oh, y'all got that? So I must, the cross was one of those places 
where systems went to work. And I'm going to go past this. I'm going to go past that. I'll get to that another day. As your maximized growth accounts, as your maximized growth occurs, and this is where we hit maximized growth, covenantal alignment with and by principle. So what are the two things there? From this point forward, you're going to covenantally align with what? Principle. Say, I'm going to align myself with principle. And by principle. Now, have you ever noticed that some people align with the principle, but they don't want to get fired? That's the why they, but they talk to you at the water cooler, and they cut down the boss, cut down, I ain't going to say the pastor because nobody does that here. They cut down the head of their department. And, and I've granted the head of that department might be a jerk. But in front of everyone else and in front of the boss, guess what they do? They align with, they do their job, right? And they get, and man, they're the greatest producer. But it's that old wagging tongue. They're not operating by principle. That's an integrity issue. Can you hear me? So the devil's going to go from believer to believer, and he's going to try to trick you into saying something to another believer, drag you into a conversation to cut down Pastor Crystal, Pastor Joshua, or cut down somebody else. He needs to get you to come out of principle on the inside. So a lot of Christians are in church. You're in church because you don't want to go to hell, but on the inside, you're screaming. You do the right thing so you're not disqualified. God is coming after, I want you to have a clean heart. Like David, Lord, I want a clean heart. Create in me a right spirit. And that's where when God convicts me of it, I just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I, 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 when, I, when that person left me, but I deposited in them through my power to release a God code. You're not God. Let me make that clear. You're not God. But when you operate by the God code, the God code is in what you're operating in. He gave you the authority. So why would I use the God code in me that he put in me, use that authority to defile and de deposit something negative in you, right? So we grow out. All of us do it, right? Hello? Y'all wave at me. Especially if you've been married for a minute. <laughs> but we grow out of that, right? Because we're going to operate in alignment. Somebody say this out loud with me. Alignment with and by principle and then we become commensurate now that word commensurate uh, there was this apostle that don't like me there's an apostle in the city I live that doesn't like me and uh, they went and complained about me to another to a bishop and they told the bishop that I use words that they don't know the meaning of You're an apostle <laughs> leading all kind of folk. And you're offended because another apostle uses words that you don't know. So now that's telling me that everyone who hears you is locked and they've got a glass, they've got a ceiling over their head because your language has barred them from their maximized growth. Instead of you getting in a dictionary and finding out the context of what I said and what it meant, 
So commensurate, the word commensurate, it means matching. All right, here's the test. Are my two hands commensurate? Are they commensurate now? Matching, commensurate. God wants us to, the principles, to be commensurate. So maximized growth can occur. He doesn't want to give me something that my character disqualifies me for. Right? Like Samson. Your gifting took you to a place. Your gifting opens doors, but your character closes it as fast as God's opened it. And God says, in order to bless you so you can thrive, I want you to be able to stay. I want the principles you walk in to match the place that I brought you into. Does that make sense to somebody? So these are the, you can take a picture of this. You're tasked with learning to proficiently operate. What are you tasked with? Proficiently operate in mastery with the intersectionality, the intersection of divinely enabled at the inner intersection of divinely enabled abilities, utilities, operations, and mantles. So these are the four areas that the pastors and uh, Pastor Cindy and I, the elders, the leaders, these are the areas that are now ready to be intersectioned in your life. Are you ready to take that journey so these things can merge? Because, and they've got to merge. If you're an F-16 pilot, you're up in the sky in a fighter jet. Do you need your mind to merge with your body? Right? Do you need there to be a merging of your equilibrium? Your, your sense of balance, because you won't know whether you're upside down or right side up. There's got to be a merging of the gifts and the talents and the ability. Matthew 25, and here's your assignment. I want each of you before Sunday to read each of the scriptures. So take a picture of it. And if you don't have your camera, ask someone to take a picture for you and text it to you. I want you to read every scripture that's associated with each one of those places. How many of you will do that? If you want to thrive, you're going to do it, right? If you want to thrive, you'll take this serious. In abilities, Matthew 25, there's talents. One guy doesn't multiply his Lord's talent. What does he do? He buried it. Did God give him power to thrive or did God curse him and send him to hell? He was sent to hell because he didn't take his talent and the principles that govern the talent and match it with his ability, right? He didn't take knowledge and match it with his ability and then match that with the talent. He was supposed to take knowledge and then his ability to go and exchange and then with the knowledge of the talent. So he didn't merge those things. Where there's no merger of talents and abilities and utilities and how it operates, he was supposed to know the operation or economy of the kingdom. Somebody shout economy of the kingdom. I'm almost at the end. It's an economy. What's an economy? A system of flow. He didn't engage the system of flow. His Lord told him, you should have went to the exchangers. You should have understood where to go exchange your mark.
for your yin. You didn't know where the exchanger was. There was an economy you should have engaged. Most believers don't know the economy of the kingdom. They don't even know there's multiple economies in the kingdom. They don't even know what they are. How many of you would like to know what the economies in the kingdom, how those systems flow? As a king, how many of you would leave someone as an ambassador that didn't understand how your kingdom functioned? You can't represent me. You don't even know how my company functions. You don't even know which department to do a requisition from. So God is saying, how many of you have been to church more than 10 years? I've been to church and heard all kinds of scriptures, but ain't nobody brought me to the place where I can master, master the engaging the economies and systems of the kingdom. Because that will stop you from doing something. Because it'll cut off the flow. It'll create a dam. And you don't need any more dams built. It's time for the water to flow. It's time for the river to flow. It's time for things that have been on hold to get off hold. That's what time it is. All right. Samson had ability. But his character was stronger than his call. That's a shame, isn't it? His character, he wouldn't allow principles that shape, change how he operates. So his character was stronger than his calling. So you got the gift of strength, got the gift of being a judge in Israel. He's got the system of being a judge and a leader. That's a government system. So he's in a government system over his people. He's got a gift that gives him a power to flow in anointings in the kingdom. He's got access to everything everywhere, but his character is stronger than his call. Then there's utilities, being useful. Luke 16, then there's operations. How does it work? How does it operate? And then you've got mantle. First Kings 19, uh, Elijah transferred his uh, mantle to Elisha. So if I right now was to grill anyone in this room, how many of you think you can define for me how the prophetic functions and flows, how the mantle, the coat of the prophet office. And I don't mean guessing at it. I mean, you can tell me how the prophet's office biblically flows from Old Testament to New Testament. Somebody tell me if you try, I try, I try. Who, 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 who thinks you could do it? But yet you've been given the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Remember that? So every one of us has an operation in something we don't even understand. So how can I get benefit from it? So the Bible says my people perish for because they don't know. Now we're about to get down to it and you're going to learn it and you're going to own it and you're going to master it. Come on, somebody. Come on, we're almost out of here. Only a couple of slides left. You handle and influence government business. Is a king a government office? <laughs> How many kings and priests are in the house? Praise God. Is that a government office? How, do, how does that office function in the kingdom? How does that king, how's your office work? Right? How's your office work? How does it work? See, you got to be able to tell me how it works. You got to be able to tell me what you can do out of that office and what you cannot do out of that office. So, I'm, my job is to handle 
government business from a kingdom perspective. How do kings walk? How do, how do princes walk? Man, pull your pants up. You are a, you are a son of nobility. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. The almighty God. The almighty God. The everlasting father. The prince of peace. I walk with nobility. I speak with nobility. I'm from a noble line of kings. In Christ, my, my, my blood in Christ goes all the way back to King David. Walk on through here with that. How many of you have been grafted into the kingdom of God? You've been grafted into the natural olive tree. You're no longer wild by nature. You've been grafted in. So when you were grafted in, you were put in the line of David. So how do kings walk? How do kings talk? How do kings behave? I expect you to talk about economy. I expect you to talk about negotiations. I expect you to talk about unilateral operations between nations. I expect you to turn on C-SPAN every now and then. I expect you to have a conversation that lives above the average and common man. Covenantal alignment. These are the principles that accompany warfare strategies. I think I can wrap this in a couple minutes. Take a picture. What type of strategies are you about to engage in your life? Covenantal. How do they operate? By covenant. Mm-hmm. Their alignment. So many believers don't know the warfare strategy, the warfare strategy that's commensurate, that matches the alignment. Let me give you a marriage alignment principle. The Bible says husbands and wives are not to stay angry with each other. They're not to stay in fighting and angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, work, work that thing out before you go to sleep, before you wake up in the morning. Uh. <laughs> Why? Why does the Bible say? What's the principle in marriage that affects warfare? It said, or else the devil will hinder your prayers. It says, so your prayers won't be hindered. Many believers, their ability to thrive is being hindered because the Bible says... When husbands and wives stay in conflict and they don't come back into agreement, that their prayers are hindered. You give the devil a warfare advantage over you and your children when you don't operate commensurately with the warfare strategies. Come on, give God a praise. I'm saying something. So I've got to be in alignment so the devil doesn't get the advantage over my wife, my children. Over your husband, over your children, over anyone in your family. Over your brother or your sister. All right, what's another warfare strategy? Believers arguing with each other. So let's say this believer, I'm going to pick on you, is at odds with this believer. They can't even go sit down at the a restaurant together. 
All right, both of y'all stand up, please. Run to the middle, give each other a hug. That way everybody knows it's just an example. <laughs> there you go, all right. But come on back. Fake fight in the middle of the air. <laughs> so the Bible says where this exists, the strife is every evil work. It says it's demonic and every evil work can come through that door. That's why believers in church have no business staying in strife with each other. Why would you, why would you go, going into your strife, keep a door? This wisdom descends not from above, but it's earthly, it's sense-ruled, and it's demonic. That's what James says. It's earthly, sense-ruled, and it's demonic. And where you find strife and envy, you find every evil work. So why would I open that door if that's a warfare strategy, strife among believers? So Satan has been effectively using that against ministries and churches for years. So that he can stay up in there. You cast him out and he's back up in there for services over because y'all acting a fool. Somebody say, lay it down. So the church can grow. Lay it down. Those petty offenses, lay it down. Why would I put a weapon in the devil's hand? Why would I put a weapon in the devil's hand? Because that's a commensurate matching warfare strategy that governs how believers principally act and react to each other. Husbands and wives act and react. You didn't know that was a principle of warfare strategy. The adversary uses it. Won't you use it against him? We're going to take our agreement and shut down the bowels of hell in the name of Jesus. If two of my children agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done by my father. All right. Yeah, I guess this is the last. Oh, yeah. I guess we are at the end. Here. You know what? Let's pray. Um, let's see. Lord, you know. Oh, my goodness. I want to pray, but look, when you have sovereignty override, God has given you the ability to override things. Your shield is being pierced by violation of principles. Can that make sense? Your shield is being pierced because of violation of principles. So you got to use your sovereignty that God is giving you the ability as a king to make the decision. Whatever you bind on shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you allow on will be, heaven said, I'm going to let you make the decision. Whatever you, whatever you stop on earth, I'll back you. Whatever you allow on earth, I'll back you. You ready to stop some stuff and you ready to start some stuff? Come on. That's what we're doing. So the shield of your corporate authority is being eroded by little foxes. 
And the problem with little foxes is this. Thank you, we're done. Put it back on the very first slide. The problem with little foxes is this. All it is is one criticism. And then somebody brings you a, you know, that's, that's the deal with pack rats. You know, the pack rats are like dogs. If a dog can bring a bone, he can take a bone, right? So, one offense, one little fox. Two offenses, three little foxes. Four offenses, right? So what ends up happening, what does a fox do? The foxes spoil the vine, right? They spoil the vine. How much does a fox weigh? Well, a red, red-tailed fox, they get up 31 pounds. How many of you can lift 31 pounds? I can handle that little offense. But 10 of them? There's only a couple of people in here that can lift more than 300 pounds, and I ain't one of them. <laughs> I can look at, your, look at the size of some of these brothers and tell they work out with three of them. <laughs> I ain't doing that. All right? But... One little fox weighs 31 pounds, and then another offense, and then another offense, and it's full of the vine. How many of us can lift 300 pounds? So it's multiplied. we got to cut those foxes off one by one by one by one and say, I'm not carrying that. That's not my job. Come on, somebody. I'm carrying the God code. I'm not carrying that. I'm carrying the God code. I want my sovereignty override to work so that it doesn't undermine my moving into my season of thrive. 